When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Five Spot. You're joined here with your host, Donovan McNabb. Joined here and going to give you so much great insight with Armando Segaro. Let's dive right into it. We had an exciting game last night, uh, you know, with the Monday night football game with the San Francisco 49ers against the Minnesota Vikings. Now, in the very beginning, I know everyone was thinking that this was going to be a blowout. The San Francisco 49ers are a better team. Joey Bosa is probably going to have about 30 sacks. Uh, and Kirk Cousins will be frustrated because he's missing his number one receiver. Hold that thought. Minnesota came out on fire. They were establishing the tempo early. I thought Kirk Cousins was efficient, pushing the ball downfield, uh, and also doing it quickly. And so something when you have to think about when you watch the San Francisco 49ers, the thing that makes them special on defense is they're able to collapse the pocket. Everyone knows about Bosa, but there are a lot of defensive linemen that they rotate that are able to apply pressure if it's clogging up the A and the B gap and forcing quarterbacks to hold the football because they're, they have to find a window to throw into. But Kirk Cousins did a great job of throwing with timing, being accurate, allowing his receivers to make plays. Addison had a wonderful day uh, with Jefferson being out. Uh, he was able to push the ball downfield, create some explosive plays in the passing game. I thought they were able to run the football when need be and be effective. Uh, so big shout out to McConnell for uh, his play calling and, and being able to diagnose what the defense was doing and be able to attack it. But more importantly, uh, I want to focus on the defense. And I know, Armando, you're probably going to go a little bit of offense of what's going on with San Francisco. But zero sacks versus Kirk Cousins is something that we just haven't seen from the San Francisco defense and as the season continues on, this is going to be something that a lot of other coaches and offensive coordinators are going to start to do the same thing to the San Francisco 49ers, Armando. Yeah, and not just zero sacks, zero sacks on 45 pass attempts, right. which is stunning because uh, let me check my bank account. It's not <laughs> the same as Nick Bosa's. It's not the same. It, and Nick Bosa's has a few more you know, zeros in it and a few more other digits in it that mine doesn't have. He right. is the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. And by his own admission after the game, he had opportunities to make plays in that game and he didn't. And what resulted was Kirk Cousins diced them up. Right. Totally diced them up. He kind of, to be honest with you, in my estimation, he kind of uh, unmasked the 49ers secondary as kind of just pedestrian. Right. Um, and I know they're not, but, right. you know, that wasn't Justin Jefferson, like you said, on that field. That And Jordan Addison's very good, right. outstanding rookie. But my gosh, man, it's like, uh, you know, they made Kirk Cousins uh, – 
Donovan, at one point, um, Troy Aikman said Kirk Cousins is an NFL top 10 quarterback. And and I kind of <laughs> did this. Uh, uh, and then I thought about it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you got a point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the funny thing, the funny thing is, is, is this more about Kirk Cousins in that offense. Kirk Cousins is a guy who will not lose a game for you. He's a guy that can maintain and create some explosive opportunities for his guys on the outside. Think about it. When Stefan Diggs played with Minnesota, they had a they had so much of a chemistry when Stefan Diggs became one of the elite wide receivers in the game. Now he left and went to Buffalo. And then Adam Thielen was another guy who uh came on and and had an explosive four or five year run at the receiver position. They draft Justin Jefferson and Justin Jefferson comes out and he's one of the top three receivers in the NFL. So Addison being an all American coming out of college uh, was, I believe the number one receiver coming out of pit before he transferred to USC and doing the same thing at USC uh, and to know his ability and for him to step into that number one role with Jefferson being out, that's a tribute to Kirk Cousins of rewarding the, the young man an opportunities to be able to create some explosive plays. So it, it, I, top 10 quarterback, I agree with you. I agree with you. Kirk Cousins, again, won't win you many big games, but he also won't lose you any games. Uh, and he's steady, Eddie. Uh, he's able to be efficient. And he gets the ball out quickly. He's a great system quarterback. And we got to remember, I believe, what, about two, three years, two years ago, before he signed this contract that's now coming up, uh, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan wanted him in San Francisco. But because they drafted him in Washington, they know what type of quarterback he is, and he fits his system. So let me ask you this. We've established and we agree, top 10 quarterback, right? Yes. Top five? Top uh, five? No. No, no, <laughs> no. Top. I will say this. I'll say more on the back end of 10. So you're thinking maybe top eight, top nine. So he is first in the NFL in touchdowns. He is second in the NFL in yards. He is fourth in the NFL in rating in quarterback rating, which I don't know how you feel about that quarterback rating stat. That's a conversation we might have at some point right. over uh, beers that you buy. However, <laughs> However, however, if he's top five in all of those, why isn't he top five? Well, Russell is also in, in, in there as far as his numbers are concerned. Uh, so are you putting Russell in as, at the top 10 quarterback right now? Dude, to me, I, I am not married to any of these guys. Right. I am married to one woman that I've been married to <laughs> for a long time. Uh, and... and I'm married to her. I'm not married to to rankings of the quarterbacks. Right. For me, it changes week to week True. and stat to stat because it's a fluid situation. We're not talking about freaking Joe Montana, Dan Marino, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. We're talking about these guys right now. And right. for me right now, Kirk Cousins is a top five quarterback. I, I just I would put him more on the back end, meaning eight nine uh at the at the highest i would put him six because of the way he's been playing and i think he's been overlooked this season because they haven't been winning consistently 
And so we're, we're focused so much on the five and six and oh, five and one before it was four, four and oh teams. And we're looking at the quarterbacks and we're, we're glorifying them. Now, do I believe that Tua is a top five quarterback? Absolutely. Do I think Jalen Hurts is a top five quarterback? Absolutely. I think Joe Burrow is coming to the old Joe Burrow. Obviously, he's healed up a little bit from the calf. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Josh Allen, people could say he's you know here and there, but he's also a top six, top seven quarterback right now, even by the, by the way the games have been going. Um, and so I just think when it comes – and it's nothing bad when you say top ten quarterback. And I think – I want people to understand that. When you say top ten quarterback, that doesn't mean that that's bad for any of these quarterbacks because there's some really good quarterbacks in the NFL. So top 10 quarterback is unsigned for next year. He's a free agent. I'm thinking that, I mean, obviously we have a lot of games to play yet. Right. Um, we have a lot of games to play yet. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yikes. Uh, but at this point, Kirk Cousins goes on the free agency market. Money. Oh my God! He's money. gonna get so much money, and he's gonna be somebody else's starting quarterback. And how do the Minnesota Vikings find somebody better? Well, the funny thing is, we're just talking about money. Kirk Cousins was the first one to get the guaranteed money, uh, and so he's not only had that guaranteed money, which I think was eighty-four million. I don't mean to count his money, his own, his his bank account. But, I mean, he received another contract, which this is the one he's finishing, and he will be up. Now, Kirk Cousins, I believe he's 30, he's about 34, 35 yeah. uh, years old or so, uh, and he will get a new contract, but he will be the number one free agent, I think, it's that other teams will be looking for. Uh, and, and like I said, he's a solid quarterback. Once he embeds himself and gets himself embedded into the system, He's comfortable. The guys love being around him. Great personality. We've seen him on that quarterback show uh, that, you know, he's he's a hard worker. He's dedicated, God-fearing. Like, this is the guy that you want in your locker room to lead your football team. So you, are you familiar with Magic Johnson? You heard of Magic Johnson? Uh, you know? I believe I heard of, of the no-look yeah. no guy. So watch Magic Mondo here. Um yeah, San Francisco, all of a sudden, they've lost two in a row. They're not a dominant team anymore, are they? They're not a super team. Well, you know what's funny? You bring up super teams because, you know, that could be in football, <laughs> basketball, whatever it may be, you know. It's, <laughs> I, I, this, is, this is the thing that, that's funny to me. And, and I'll revert back to a couple weeks ago that I mentioned that I thought Brock Purdy was an MVP candidate. Uh, and... I thought he should have been early in that one-two area, and people were putting McCaffrey up there, and rightfully so. He scored touchdowns in consecutive games. Uh, that's that's going right now. But I thought Brock Purdy was the type of system quarterback that Kyle Shanahan loves because he can control where he goes with the football, how he plays his footwork, anticipating the throws. Well, that anticipation kind of killed him last night. Uh, and so for as far as super teams are concerned, I would say it was it's more of the strength of the team and not so much of the big name talent that that we see in the NBA. So when it comes to those type of teams, I would I guess we can label the Philadelphia Eagles a super team, 
I would still put the Miami Dolphins uh, in that, even though that they haven't beat the upper echelons of teams, just from a talent, just from a talent standpoint. Um, I, I think San Francisco still is in that conversation because these are correctable mistakes. I go back to the Cleveland Browns game. Even though that Purdy didn't play well, they still had a chance to win at the end with the field goal. And we will be talking right now, the NFC being strong with, obviously, San Fran and Philadelphia. Uh, But now that they have two losses, it's now easy to kind of pinpoint, well, maybe Brock Purdy's not the guy. He was Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, You know, maybe they need a a first-round draft pick to lead them. And I think that they're going to be fine going forward. But it's going to be interesting to see them play against teams like Seattle in their division. Uh, it's always back and forth when they play against the Rams because McVay has has an idea what they're doing. So it's going forward, I think you heard it here first. I think San Francisco ends up losing four to five games this year. Wow! <laughs> wow! Well, I mean, you know, it could happen. Obviously, right? Uh, that, that would be that would be very disappointing for the San Franciscos. By the way, that was a conversation alley oop. <laughs> that uh, yes. you and you James Worthy did very well done my friend very well done you, <laughs> yes indeed I have one little pick to knit okay. uh, with you when you mentioned the Dolphins as a super team I I remember I said it's not so much the names it's the talent well yeah but we're going by team no I mean we're going by team. To me, if you're a super team, you beat the teams that you're supposed to, and they have done that. They, they've, yes. they've destroyed the the bad teams that they've played with a record of eight and twenty five. Those are where their five wins have come. Right. But the two good teams that they've played, they haven't really matched up so good. They lost to Buffalo in a game that wasn't close. They lost to Philly two nights ago in a game that. At the end, it could have went. It could have went either way, but it didn't. It really didn't. Yeah. yeah. So if you're not going to be able to beat a good team, how are you a super team? Well, again, like like I said, it's not so much of the names; it's the talent. And I, when I watched that Philadelphia game, now remember there were some calls that were missing in that game, uh, like that face mask call with Bradbury on Wilson on the sideline on fourth down. That should have been a flag. Uh, the flag that they threw on Wilkinson uh, on the push, even even the the head ref came on and was like, "Ah, uh, yeah, I don't." I wouldn't Are you sure? That. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like I wouldn't have called that one. Um, the Tariq Hill drop on the on the dig route that would have ended up being another touchdown. Uh, so those are type of things that I look at, and there were a few more going forward. Uh, for the Miami Dolphins that I look at and I go, this game would have been really closer if two or three of those things would have would have kind of worked in Miami's favor. Now, nothing you can do to kind of go back to it. Big credit to uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagles and their defensive line by applying pressure and closing up that pocket uh, on Tua. But then I look at, you know, like teams like the San Francisco 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs are another one. When you know and everybody in America knows that Travis Kelsey is going to find a way to get the ball. 
and you still can't stop them. Like, I'm talking about corners, safeties, linebackers, double teams. And you know when Patrick gets to moving, it's like basketball. Travis finds a window to get get an opportunity, catches the ball, and then they go right to the suite to see Taylor Swift. So I, I just think for the way the NFL is right now, when I mean super teams, I don't mean so much of those upper, upper echelons. Because to me, when you think of the NFC, it's the two guys in the NFC, meaning San Fran and Philly. The AFC, uh, I mean, it starts with Kansas City. We can say maybe the Bengals are moving up. We don't know really what's going on in Buffalo. Um, and so their teams kind of all kind of paired away in that other slot. But I would say those are the type of teams that I'm talking about. So later on in this episode, we're going to be joined by Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Jaguars. And I'm going to tell on you, bro, because you didn't mention the Jaguars in your conversation of teams that are, you know, like maybe super teams. They're five and two. They're good. They're really good. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I will talk to Doug because Doug and I have a relationship and I picked them as my sleeper team in the beginning of our show in episode, I believe it was episode one or two when we got a chance to talk to him. I think that they have talent-wise with Ridley, with Kirk, uh, with ETN, Trevor Lawrence on offense, on defense, Josh Allen. Uh, you know, the, the list goes on of players that they have. I think they have the opportunity in that division to win it uh, and also be a threat in the playoffs. But remember, they went on a little run where it didn't really go as well. And I'll talk to Doug about if he was able to get some residency out there in London because it felt like they were out there the whole season. <laughs> Jeez. But uh, I, I just think for Jacksonville, they're in that, that second tier of grouping where it's paired in the AFC. Man, uh, I like London. I love London. I don't want to live in not London. That, not that much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, no, and they were 2-0 and in London, and they have this setup yeah. with Wembley Stadium where they're going to play in London every year. Right. God bless them. Uh, yeah. It's a wonderful place to visit, kind of like New York, right. but you right. don't want to live there. <laughs> so so they're, in my estimation, my opinion, I no, no, sorry. I, I like trees. What can I tell you? Um, <laughs> me and trees, we're like that. Uh, they are they've won i think four games in 19 game in 19 days so and that sunshine is very good <laughs> their quarterback i didn't mean the sun i meant yeah no i i do know i know the i remember the movie and yes he definitely he and his locks are flowing um and and, and again he's he's been battling injury um you know, coming off of a knee injury in London, then came and played that Thursday night game, I believe, against New Orleans, uh, and was getting outside the pocket and moving. And he's that type of threat where he can throw from the pocket and he can also get outside the pocket. So uh, I'm excited to talk to Doug uh, about what we're going to be seeing after this bye week, see how healthy they are uh, going into the, the second part of the season for them after this bye week, uh, and what to expect pretty much from from a, a team standpoint, offense and defense uh, going forward. You know what? One quarterback I won't we won't be mentioning as one of the top 
10 or see, top five. See, now now you're going to get everybody in the metropolitan area upset. Go ahead, say it. I, I don't think Daniel Jones is in a conversation. I don't think Daniel Jones is a top quarterback on his own freaking team. What do you think about that? <laughs> see, all Giants fans want to get mad at me because I talked about Daniel Jones. I will say this about where they are offensively. And I'll go back to the Buffalo game. When Tyrod Taylor stepped in, you have a grown man in the huddle. This this young man came out of Virginia Tech. Uh, he's played in the league uh, over – it's about a decade now. Um, he's he's in his, in his th- early 30s, I believe. Uh, and he's had experience of understanding new systems, how to play his role, uh, and try to be efficient doing it. When I watched that Buffalo game, the offense just seemed to click a little bit differently. Saquon Barkley was was getting out, picking up big yards against Buffalo. Uh, I seen Darren Waller. There was a Darren Waller sighting. Uh, I seen Hyatt. I seen a quarterback that was spreading the ball around, driving the ball down the field. Now, obviously, everyone knows about that red zone mistake that he made by checking on, you know, with a couple seconds to go with no timeouts, checking to a run on the two or three yard line to try to give it to Saquon Barkley to punch it in when you just can't do that. Uh, but I, I thought after that mistake, things changed for that team. And watching them against the Washington Commanders, I seen Tyrod Taylor be so effective in the passing game with 18 to 29 for 279 yards, two touchdowns, but more importantly, this zero interceptions. And when you think of what, what Dayball is all about, it's about, Creating opportunities, methodically moving the chains, find yourself in third and short situations, and when the opportunity is there to get the ball downfield, do that. And I've seen him spreading the ball around. Waller, seven catches, 98 yards. Hyatt, two catches, 75 yards. Saquon Barkley, three catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, And then you go down the list and you see one catch, one catch, one catch, one catch. That's being efficient and getting everybody those opportunities, Armando. Yeah, and, you know, what Tyrod Taylor has been throughout his career, he doesn't throw interceptions. He right. Very rarely will he throw interceptions. He takes a lot of sacks because he's no, he very does. careful. He prefers to take yeah. a sack over throw a ball that he's not uh, 100% on. So I would say to you, that's what the Giants need right now. That's right. that's. That's better than Danny. He's not dimes. He's worth dimes, but Danny, Daniel Jones, not dimes. Uh, he's thrown like six or eight interceptions this year, and he's a turnover machine, and he lacks right. confidence. I'm I'm thinking that, that the Giants have buyer's remorse on Daniel Jones, and the reason that they went out and signed him to that, and yeah, it's going to be about money here. The reason that they signed him to that four-year, $160 million contract is because of one game. One. The Minnesota game? Exactly. Exactly. In the playoffs, he went and he balled out, right? I mean, he's amazing. If that – and by the way – that was against the 13-3 and team or whatever, 14-2 and team whose defense was horrible. In fact, right after that game, the Vikings fired their defensive coordinator. 
But in that one game, Daniel Jones threw for 300 yards, threw two touchdowns, got the Giants a playoff victory. If that doesn't – and then the next week, by the way, he soiled his pants. But against the Eagles. But what I'm saying is uh, if that game doesn't happen, maybe the Giants sign him, but it's not for $40 million. It's not – Oh, my God, he won us a playoff game. He's a playoff game quarterback. No, right. no, no. He, he's, he's a guy. Not a guy, but he's not exactly $40 million. And all of a sudden, now they could get rid of him after two years if they wanted to instead of after three years because that's how long it's going to take to get out from under that contract. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna call him just a guy. I think um, when I look when I look at Daniel Jones, I go back his last three years and remember he was I want to say a turnover machine, but uh, he was up there as far as the upper echelon of quarterbacks with turnovers, fumbles, interceptions, uh, constant mistakes. Those particular things were what Daniel Jones' career looked like. Uh, and then he had he had a good year last year. It wasn't a great year. He only had 15 touchdowns or so uh, passing. Uh, I think Justin Fields had more touchdowns than he had. Um, and so people get on Justin Fields, but then Daniel Jones survived because the team actually played inspired. The thing about the Giants, and it's always been much more about their defense, because remember, Eli Manning threw a lot of interceptions too. But it was their defense with Michael Strahan and all those guys. Their defense played well in the game last last uh, last week against the Washington Commanders. I mean, held Washington to 76 yards rushing. Um, sacked Sam Howell six times uh, in that game. Held the Washington Commanders to one for 15 on third down. So again... When your defense is playing inspired football, because they know offensively they're seeing explosive plays and Tyrod Taylor inspiring them a little bit, giving them a little bit of juice. They see Saquon Barkley running the football effectively. That defense now can peel their ears back and get after the quarterback. And that's what I'm seeing now from this football team. Now, we've seen backups come in and all of a sudden the team elevates and people want to talk so much about, oh, well, they're better with the – with the backup in, we've seen it in Dallas with Cooper Rush, remember, last year. But I just think for this football team, if Tyrod Taylor will play two more weeks, two more weeks, and he plays the way he played against the Washington Commanders, it's going to be a really hard decision for Dayball to, to bring Daniel Jones back into the fold. Now, I do believe this before you go, Armando. I don't believe you should lose your starting job. Uh, due to injury. When you come back off an of injury, I think you should get your starting job back and prove that you should be out there. Yeah, Wally Pip would agree with you, but there was Lou Gehrig. And so, <laughs> <laughs> just too bad. <laughs> just, uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is how I view it. I don't think that the, the Giants should bench and discard Daniel Jones. Right. But I think he would benefit from collecting himself on the bench for a little while longer. I think he's doing that. Yeah, I think he's doing that right now. Fair, fair. Because yeah. that dude's got like deer in the headlights look 
every time he's on the field with that uh, offensive line that was substandard. Right. Meanwhile, Tyrod Taylor with that same substandard offensive line, they had neither tackle this last week, uh, neither starting tackle. Right. He just playing. He 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 didn't seem to care. And here's the telling part. After the game, Brian Dayball was asked, so is Tyrod Taylor your quarterback or is Daniel Jones the guy afterwards? And he said, I would just say that right now, Daniel, uh, that right now Tyrod Taylor played well today. What didn't I hear him say? I didn't hear him say Daniel Jones is our guy. Right. I didn't hear him say, Media guy, you're an idiot. Don't ask me these dumb questions. We paid $160 million for Daniel Jones. I didn't hear him say that. Right. I heard him leave it up there in the air. And that tells me personally, that's like when he, I heard that, it was like uh, alarms going off in my head. Whoop, 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 whoop. Quarterback controversy, quarterback controversy, quarterback controversy. <laughs> I won't. I won't create that right now. Um, I think, and, and that's why I say another two weeks with Tyrod Taylor. Let's see how things move forward for uh, the New York Giants. Now, the the when you look at their schedule, their schedule is not faring. It's not comfortable for them at this particular point. Okay. Now, as far as where the Giants are going, I, I think with Tyrod Taylor. If he continues to stay efficient, Darren Waller elevates his game. We see a little bit more of Saquon Barkley because this is a big season for Saquon Barkley. If Saquon Barkley can finish this season healthy and the way they're playing, I think now he becomes in that top two, top three of free agency. Because I think also there are going to be more running backs on that market that are in that trade look or possibly – uh, a free agent. I think Austin Eckler is in that. In that, um, I think uh, Derrick Henry will be in that that trade trade conversation. But I think for the New York Giants, in order for them to continue with relevancy, it's got to be with Tyrod Taylor instead of Daniel Jones right now. And if that happens, Brian Dable's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. I I am totally on board with you. By the way, you mentioned Derrick Henry there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The Tennessee Titans have just ching-ching. We've checked out of, of the season. We're done. Bye. See you next year. And the Whoa. trade deadline is coming, man. The trade deadline is coming, and they traded Kevin Bayard yesterday. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. Not only not only that they trade Kevin Byer, which is a, he's a solid safety, but you trade him to the Philadelphia Eagles. AJ Brown has more receiving yards than any of the all the receivers from the Tennessee Titans combined. Uh, they're still trying to figure out if Levis is a NFL quarterback at this point, or is it Malik Willis? Uh, Ryan Tannehill will be also on that trading block probably at the end of the season. So. As far as what Vrabel right now is concerned, I think they're just trying to keep their head above water. Because remember, we talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the team that in that division that people are not talking about, that I quiet as kept may be the sleeper in that whole whole division, is the Houston Texans. CJ Stroud right now is 
number one as far as rookie of the year is concerned in my eyes. He's efficient. He's not turning the football over. He's making them relevant on offense. And defensively, D'Amico Ryan has a defense going. So I just think when, when you think of where Tennessee is going at this point, I mean, with Jacksonville playing well, with, with the Texans playing well, the Indianapolis Colts are super competitive right now. And they don't even have their quarterback that they had in the, that they drafted in the first round. Garner Minshew, he can protect the football a little bit better, but they're in games. So I just think right now for where the AFC South is at this particular point, we need to keep our eye on that division because I think that's going to go down to the wire. I'm sad for the Tennessee Titans. They were the number one seed in the AFC uh, a couple of years ago. That means yeah. you're the best team in the conference during the regular season. Right. And now they're just a shadow of themselves and they're well coached. That hasn't yeah. changed. Uh, they're, they have become, like you mentioned, the farm system for the Philadelphia Eagles. If we got a really good player, let's see if we can trade him to Philadelphia because exactly. <laughs> we need the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl. So let's trade them AJ Brown and let's trade him one of our defensive captains who, you know, led the is a two-time all pro. All let's pro. do that too. Uh, I don't know. The Eagles, they need a running back, maybe. Hey, we got Derrick Henry. Why not? Yeah, yeah, let's do I mean, I don't know, man. It's very depressing that if you're a Titans fan going forward, and like you mentioned, all those other teams in the division, they got a little something-something going on, yeah. and the Titans got a little nothing-nothing going on. <laughs> and coming up next, Doug Peterson will be joining us here on the show to talk a little bit of the Jacksonville Jaguars, their plans going forward, and a lot more. Doug, welcome to the show. Uh, so happy to have you. Let, let's dive right into it. When you came over to Jacksonville, obviously we all know with Urban Meyer, a former coach who was there and the culture that was there. What things did you try to change early? You know, the biggest thing, Donovan, was just getting the players to trust trust me, you know, trust the next, the next head coach. It was probably the biggest thing that I needed to uh, – probably the biggest hurdle that I needed to jump across, you know, and – and it took time. It took time that first offseason for them to uh, the players to to really buy into to me and and how I operated. But I think I think they they realized relatively quickly that uh, you know number one I was a straight shooter. I was honest with them. I was open with them. Um, you know, told them exactly how things were going to happen in the offseason. Told them exactly how training camp was going to go. And you know, and then once we got into the course of the regular season they begin to kind of trust that, right? And, and and not only trust in me, but also trust in themselves. And uh, we were able to overcome a lot of um, adversity, you know, the first half of the season last year to to make it to the postseason last year. But, you know, I think the number one thing for us was just uh, uh, gaining trust, you know, with, with me as the new head coach. Look, I'll, I'll go back to, and I'll, I'll label you almost as the, the baby quarterback whisperer. Um, obviously being... In Kansas City, where you have Patrick Mahomes there, uh, going to Philadelphia, drafting Carson and, and, and bringing Jalen in, working with those two young guys when they were babies, uh, to come over to Trevor Lawrence, where he's probably got one of the best hairs. Um, I mean, the, I wish I had some of that hair uh, to, to be on, on the head. But the things that you were able to do with them early to see where they are now, 
the the Patrick Mahomes, the Jalen Hurts, and now Trevor Lawrence. What what did you what was your mindset coming in with those guys, and how what path did you put them on? Yeah, you know, Donovan, as you know, coming in first year as a, as a young player, as a rookie, you got a new staff. I mean, you had obviously, you know, you and I, we had Andy Reid, right, who I was right. familiar with, but it was it was new to you, and you were the rookie coming in there. But you know, kind of leaning on those those moments for me, it was about keeping things simple for the quarterback. You know, not not exposing him to a lot of things. Um, you know, yeah, installing the offense and getting him comfortable with the plays and the terminology and all that, but keeping it real simple in his mind and, and, and teaching him progression, teaching him, you know, where to go with the football, kind of giving him those half field reads, right. You know, the the single high safety, let's go here. If it's two, two high safeties, let's go here and keeping it very basic and simple. And then as we grew, we could throw more stuff on them. And, and we did that with Carson and Philly, Obviously, Jalen, you see what Jalen Hurts is doing now. He's really taken off and playing extremely well. And and then our quarterback, Trevor, is one of the reasons that sort of uh, I was excited about, you know, coming to Jacksonville was working with Trevor and uh, really feel like he's he's a, he's a talented quarterback. He's got a good arm. He moves well. He thinks football. And again, with him, just keeping it simple, keeping that first year and just letting him letting him kind of evolve with the offense and let him grow with the offense and then. Now in year two, you know, we can expose him to more things. We can, we can have dialogue, you know, throughout the course of the week and um, let him sort of cut things loose and let his sort of his talent now uh, show on the field. And that, that's been the, kind of the biggest thing going into the second year. Wow. So baby quarterback whisper is one of the things that I didn't have on my, on my hey, questions. Check the box. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, I, I I do believe that once upon a time you you baby quarterback whispered uh, a guy named Donovan McNabb. You know? I mean, so what did what was that like when you're you know ba- basically teaching a young guy that just came in a first round pick that you want to help but you don't want him to replace you basically how did that well, go doug armando you gotta realize we, we were in philadelphia man right <laughs> uh, we, we were both treading water i think that first year uh, and and it was a little bit of survival mode but you know i'll tell you this i mean i remember donovan was just a sponge when he came in he wanted to learn everything and and really um you know listen the Eagles drafted Donovan for a reason. He was he was going to be the starter. There, there's no let, let's not let's not fool ourselves here. Donovan was going to be the starter. I just sort of warmed the seat until he was ready to take over. And and so for me, yeah, it was a matter of you know starting a few games, but also at the same time, sort of you know it was a West Coast offense that Coach Reed you know and I were bringing from Green Bay and. You know, obviously teaching Donovan that, and then you know again, it, it's the same thing. Let let Donovan's talent, let his personality take over that offense, and that's what you saw. You know, not only the back half of that that year in 1999, but then again in 2000, and all the you know all the NFC East championships and the the NFC Conference Championship games, and then taking them to the Super Bowl, and you just saw what what Donovan was able to do. But again, that offense was shaped around what Donovan could do. And, and that's the success. And then, and then you bring in the pieces, right? You bring in the pieces around, you have a great offensive line, you play great defense, uh, which the Eagles had back in the, you know, the early two thousands. And, you know, um, 
it's just about about just driving the ship and and uh that's one of the things that you know i've appreciated just watching donovan's career um as a player just the success he had just doing that you know let's let's add to that uh of seeing trevor lawrence and building this offense around his strengths and his ability and then you talk about going get pieces when you brought calvin ridley in uh, when you first made the trade, obviously he was out of football at that particular point. But when he came back, what did you see in the first, I would say more the first two, three months with Calvin Ridley in this offense of, of how explosive he could be with Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, you know, the number one thing um, that, that I saw was just how eager and excited he was to get back out on the football field. And 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 and, and rightfully so. He knew he knew the mistake he made, but he was just so um humbled to be on the football field but then he brought a work ethic that has really translated to the rest of the guys and how how hard he how hard he goes in practice and um obviously there's a speed factor there's an element of as we say taking the top off the defense and and stretching stretching corners and stretching safeties that you know uh, I haven't seen that probably since the days of Deshaun Jackson really back in back in Philly and um, you know, so that's what he's been able to, to 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 bring to us, and and working with Trevor and getting comfortable, those two guys getting on the same page has really um, kind of opened up our offense, particularly the passing game, uh, in, in ways that um, you know we probably didn't see last year. Mm-hmm. So, Doug, your team started out one and two, and then nineteen days, four wins. Uh, what was what changed in that in those 19 days for you? Yeah, Armando, I think I think the number one thing is you know our our, our London trip. You know, we we went over there uh, in week four um, after the one and two start. Went over there in week four, and and really we knew we were going to spend 10, 10 days over there. And and you know when you're when you're just in one spot for ten days, you kind of become closer as a team. You know, guys hang out all the time for those ten days and. And really, we just needed to, uh, I think, just refocus ourselves after the first couple of weeks of the season and, and you know, start to um, form an identity, uh, so to speak. And and so, you know, obviously, you know, the, we beat a good Falcons team, a good Bills team over there, you know, and, and, and I think to me that those 10 days really kind of galvanized our team, brought us a little bit closer. And, and then when we came back, um, you know, we played a we played a really good, you know, Colts AFC South division opponent team. And then um, on the road Thursday night in New Orleans, which Donovan, as you know, is a, is a hard place to play um, and get a, get a win there. So uh, credit the guys for uh, sort of the resilient effort. Um, it hasn't been pretty or perfect, but at the same time, bottom line is we've won those games. And and now it's a matter of keeping, uh, you know, keeping that uh, that momentum going. That last part of, of the game against the New Orleans Saints, how big was that for your football team to understand how to close the game uh, and to be able to seal victories? Uh, that will go further. I mean, I think when you look at where this could lead you toward the end of the year in those tight games, how big was that that last part of that game? I, I think it's huge, Donovan. You know, um, I think a year ago um, we may have lost that football game, just not knowing how to finish, not knowing how to really close out you know, an opponent like that. And, and, uh, you know, Trevor and Christian making that, that, that it was a short pitch and catch, but, you know, uh, Christian t- taking the ball in for the end zone and into the end zone. And then defensively um, the saints go all the way down the field to get inside the the five yard line. And they've got first and goal at the five and, and our defense rising up to the occasion and just learning 
how to do that gives your team confidence. I think moving forward, uh, understanding that if we're in those situations again, that, you know, we can lean on that. We can learn from that. And that, and you're right. It does give us a lot of confidence moving forward, you know, the rest of the season. So what's the next stage of development for Trevor Lawrence, Doug? I, I think we just got to keep continuing what we're doing. You know, I, I definitely can get better with some situational things. You know, we still have the costly, you know, red zone turnovers that we've got to eliminate. Um, you know, there's still some the fringe area, just understanding when we got points on the board through the field goal, uh, you know, with Brandon McManus now being able to kick, you know, field goals, just understanding that and, and, and really elevating his game that way. You know, Trevor does a great job of, of, of managing, you know, the offense. Now we just got to, he's got to take it and just run with it and let it, let it be his and, you know, demand from the other guys, uh, excellence. Um, as you know, Donovan, you know, you're not going to be perfect, but at the right. same time, you can still demand uh, an excellence from everybody that, that brings their, their level of play up. And, and that's where Trevor's headed. That's where he's going. And that's what we're excited here in Jacksonville that we've got, we've got that, that quarterback, not only currently, but also for the future. Last question, Doug, just, I mean, Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously big game coming off, coming off a of bye week. Uh, you guys get a chance to heal up a little bit. What should we expect in this particular game? Well, you know, Pittsburgh's always always played great defense, and they, they still have a wonderful defense. I, I These guys are aggressive up front. It's it's a dominating front seven. You know, they play the old school kind of 3-4 defense, and and um, they're active on the back end. they got great players and great talent. So we know it's going to be a physical football game. It's hard to run the ball. Loud environment again on the road. Offensively, we just gotta we gotta take care of the football. We gotta sustain drives and we gotta score points at the end of those drives. And I think defensively, you know, we, we match up pretty well with this team. You know, Najee Harris is a, is a good back, and we've got to be able to surround and, and corral him, get him on the ground, uh, tackle, and, and really, you know, make the young quarterback have to put it in the put it in the air. You know, and and um, it, it, when we can do that, I think. I think we can hopefully let our pass rushers, you know, rush the passer and, and get him off his spots. But this is a good football team. They're coming off a great win, you know, at L.A. this past Sunday. And, and um, you know, you're right. We've had a couple of days here to kind of rest some players and get some guys healthy for uh, not only for, for this game, but uh, for the rest of the season. We want to thank Coach Doug Peterson for joining us here at the Five Spot. Great interview. We had a lot of good times together in Philadelphia. And so happy to see the success that he's having in Jacksonville.